Hey guys, and welcome to episode three of the potty. I hope you've been enjoying them so far. Um, today's going to be a bit of a heavier one as I talk about the accident that happened in 2014 and the shit that we had to deal with and just how hard it has been. The effects of the accident actually still linger to this day and it's really hard to talk about but it's a really big part of my journey. I just don't want you to ever think that my life is perfect and that like everything's been peachy and honky-dory. Do we still say honky-dory? Is that still okay? (laughs) I don't know. It is now. Um, I just want to show to you guys through this series as well that I have been through some really hard things, just like I know that you have been through some really hard things and that all the things that I teach and do and what I, what I'm all about has all stemmed from the things that I've been through myself. And I know what has worked and what can work and how these events really do change us for the better and for the worse. And it's really crap that sometimes we have to go through really hard, you know, things to be able to come out the other side, a new person. But I really do feel like this accident was the part of me that just needed to be cracked open to, I don't know, reveal Candace now. Before I start this story, I just want to acknowledge that this is not just my story to tell. My auntie was involved, my mum was involved, my whole family was involved and it's I'm just talking about this today, about how it's affected me and how it affected my family and my perspective of it. I'm in no way saying that this was the hardest for me because I don't think it was, but I'm just telling it from my perspective, from my side of the story, from what I went through with this really tragic, horrible accident that happened to me and my family. To set the scene, we are going to go back to 2014. How old was I in 2014? Guys, I just had to use a Google calculator to figure out how old I was in 2014. And I was 26 years old in 2014. (laughs) I actually thought that I gave birth to William when I was 26 years old. I don't know where I got this information from. I'm literally mind blown right now. I was 27 when Will was born. How did I not know this? Anyway, let's get back to it. It was New Year's Eve 2013 to go into the year of 2014 and I was up at the holiday house with my family and we had a holiday house on the water and mum and dad have boats and jet skis like I've mentioned before I, I have a bit of a privileged background. So we were there with my auntie and uncle who were technically cousins But we were always brought up that they were our auntie and uncle. They were from my dad or my stepdad's side of the family. And we had had a very big absence with a relationship with them. And my dad's father, my stepdad's father, he passed away in 2013. And the family kind of rejoined back together. And we decided to all go on a family holiday to the holiday house, you know, for New Year's Eve to just rekindle the relationship and it was really great it was really nice and we all decided to go out on the jet skis and the boats after lunch and I remember I jumped on the jet ski my family were on the boat and then I think my brother or someone was on the other jet ski because remember that I have six brothers and sisters including me so I'm the oldest of six so all of us bar my stepsister were up at the holiday house 
And I was following dad on the boat in the jet ski and I had this really weird moment on the jet ski where I did not want to be on the jet ski. I was just driving along the water, riding along, whatever you want to call it. And I had this feeling in the pit of my stomach thinking, after today, I don't think I want to go on the jet skis anymore because I really just don't enjoy it. Like I see no point in just whizzing around in the water. I don't enjoy it. And I had this horrible feeling in the bottom of my stomach, but I didn't trust myself. And I was just like, Candace, stop being silly. You can just be on the jet ski and get along with it. I wasn't psychic then. And I keep telling you guys, I wasn't psychic then. I didn't find out that I was a psychic until 2019. So we're years away from that. But I just had this sinking feeling. It's another one of those times when I look back and go, oh my God, my, my intuition was trying to talk to me. My guides were trying to talk to me. Anyway, we had a lot of fun that day. Um, we were all out having, you know, turns on the jet ski, turns on the boat. Um, some of our family members were skiing and we had a lot of fun. And we went down the river and we decided that we we're going to head back. And so what happened was I jumped on the jet ski with my sister and my cousin. We had a three-seater jet ski. I was sitting in the middle, my cousin at the front, my sister at the back. Totally legal to be able to sit like that. My two brothers were on the jet ski and my the rest of my family, my auntie, my uncle, my mom, everyone else was on the boat. So what happened was we were, we were skiing and chasing dad on the jet ski, on the boat, heading back to the holiday house, everything totally legal. My dad and so my two brothers on the jet ski were in front of the boat, my dad, family in the boat, me behind trailing. Dad did tell us when we were heading off towards home that at some point he would stop to let our uncle off to ski the rest of the way home. We were very open with communication with the boats because our family have actually had a history of having jet ski accidents. It's not the first one in my family, unfortunately, and you'd think that that would be the first red flag. Anyway, during that travel back to the holiday house, my cousin, she would have been about 10, 8 or 10. I can't remember the specifics of it, and to be honest, I block a lot of it out. She kept putting her head up in front of the jet ski and I kept losing sight and I had to keep telling her, put your head back down. Like if you, if you do this one more time, you're going to hop off the ski. But she was just really excited. She was having a lot of fun. So we stayed on the ski. We headed back. Now, as we were heading into a slow area, because there are fast and slow areas on the water, just before we got there, my cousin lifted her head up again and she got really excited. Then all of a sudden she was screaming. Now, I was doing probably 50 to 60 kilometers on the jet ski on the water at that time. Again, completely legal. And then what happened when she started screaming, I shoved her head down because I couldn't see. Like her face was literally in front of my face. I'm on like the, the jet ski is kind of like a like a motorbike. So if someone sits up in front of you, you can't see. And I seen when I pushed her head down that we were coming very close to the boat she put her head up because she seen that the boat had stopped and got excited and then realized that we were getting very close to the boat and then we were going to hit it. So in that moment, jet skis don't have brakes. When you let go of the accelerator, the jet of the jet ski keeps going, but it just slows down. The propeller doesn't have power to it, but it still spins until it kind of stops spinning, if that makes sense, when it slows down. So I took my hand off the accelerator and I had a choice in that moment to either hit the boat and likely go into the boat or try and swerve to try and hit the boat, the corner of the boat or try and like, you know, dodge it completely. Like I said, 
no brakes on jet skis. So I chose to try and avoid the accident in that split second decision. We were coming very close to the boat. And if you can imagine doing 60 kilometers an hour with no brakes, you get forward, you go forward very quickly. So what happened is I was coming up towards the edge of the boat. My auntie was sitting on the very corner of the seat in the boat and the jet ski hit that corner that she was on. So if you could imagine a jet ski coming up behind a boat and then turning to the right at the very last minute, the tail of the jet ski hit really hard the tail of the corner of the boat. In that moment, there was an enormous bang. I instantly got a really sore neck and it was the impact was huge. Me and my cousin and my sister got thrown off the jet ski and my number one priority when I came up from the water was to make sure that the two girls were okay and they were. They were just really shaken up and unsure of what had just happened. The next thing that I remember happening is that we were in a slow knot area where you had to go slow and there was a boat ramp very close to us. I remember looking inside of the boat and doing a head count, just quickly going, okay, who's, where is everybody? I could see that my auntie instantly was not well. She looked like she had actually been knocked out and I couldn't see my mum. Everyone on the boat was looking everywhere and I thought for a moment there that my mum had been hit by the jet ski because I like kind of closed my eyes. I didn't really see what happened. It happened so quick. I thought that my mum had actually gotten hit and fell in the water. And in that moment, I was in the water. I was swimming around screaming, where's mum? Where's mum? Where's mum? It was fucking traumatic. I can't tell you whether I was in the water for 30 seconds or five minutes, but I remember just screaming to the people over at the shore, my mum has drowned. I've hit my mum. My mum's in the water. She's drowning. I couldn't see her. And all of a sudden, my dad looked at me and he's like, Candace, get in the fucking boat. She's here. So I got in the boat and could see that my mum had just been knocked forward and she was injured. Her bum was injured. She got knocked forward and she was on her like hands and knees. And I started crying. I was panicking. I was shaking like a leaf. As you could imagine, I was riddled with guilt. I was just beating myself up. I felt like I wanted to vomit. I was dry reaching. I was a fucking mess because I knew that I had just caused a massive accident. I'd fucked up. Something bad was happening and it was my fault. I remember in that moment that I like ran over to my mom and I grabbed her and I was like, I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she grabbed my, she grabbed me or looked at me. I can't remember. And she said to me, Candace, snap out of it. Your auntie's not well. You need to be a nurse right now. We'll sort the rest of it out later. What shocked me was just how calm my mum was. And because I worked in ICU at the time, I was used to having these really high intensity, really massive adrenaline seeking events happening. Like going to work and doing CPR was a very normal part of my day. So I was very good at segmenting myself and being able to step into nurse mode. Kyle was also on the boat and he works worked at the hospital and he was a PSA so he's like an orderly he has been involved in a lot of codes and he is to someone who can respond very well to emergency situations so my mum was able to clear my head and just get me to snap back into that moment and go I need to help my auntie 
So I went and assessed the situation over there, which was, I was still shaking with adrenaline, but I was at least focused on something. I could tell instantly she was unconscious. She also had her head like kind of hanging backwards, like, you know, as if like, she, you know, just in that con- unconscious state, but sitting up. I was immediately worried. I could see she was breathing. I was immediately worried that she had done some, I had done something to her neck. So Kyle grabbed me a towel and we made a makeshift towel out of, um, I mean, a, a neck brace out of the towel. And I got my dad to call Triple O. At that point, I got onto the Triple O and I told him what had happened, that I'd hit the boat, that I think that I hurt my auntie. Anyway, long story short, she ended up getting airlifted to the Alfred Hospital, which is a massive tertiary hospital in Victoria, hours away from where we were. From that point when the ambulance got to, she had to get taken from an ambulance to the local hospital, from the local hospital, she then got airlifted. From there, what happened was the ambulance arrived at the, um, oh goodness, what's it called? We park your boat. I don't know, the pier, whatever, the pier that was around us. I got off the boat. The police were there at the same time. Um, I remember getting off the boat, making sure that the ambos were okay and they didn't need a hand. And I remember going straight up to the police officer before they even had anything to ask. And I said, I was the one that caused the, the accident. It was New Year's Eve. And I just said to them, would you like to breath test me? I haven't been drinking, but it was me who caused the accident. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what the right thing was to do, but I knew that I needed to like take responsibility would have happened and do everything that I could to cooperate because I didn't know how else to help. I did get breath tested and I had no alcohol in my system. I then got taken to the police station. Um, I Not by the police. Kyle took me. I don't know if I honestly, I can't even remember how we got back to the house. I can't remember if I was driven by the police. I can't remember if we got back onto the boat. I don't even know how the jet ski got home again. I don't remember any of this. And a lot of this stuff is being blanked out of my memory because as you can imagine, just from what you've heard, and I've only told you a very small amount, it was an extremely traumatic experience for me and a very traumatic experience for my auntie and everybody else that was involved in the accident. Later that afternoon, I went to the police station and I was there for what felt like hours. Again, time was really warped for me in this whole situation and this whole thing. And I don't know whether I was there for half an hour or for three, five hours, but I remember the police officers asking me what had happened. I had to tell my whole story. It was recorded on tape. I was in an interview room. I was petrified that I was going to get arrested, but I just knew that if I was, I deserved it. It was my own fault. I knew that I had to like take everything that was given to me for punishment because I had done the wrong thing. I'd caused this horrible thing to happen to my family. From there, the police asked me the same questions in multiple different ways. And I remember asking them in a nice way, like, why are you asking me this again? Like, I thought I'd been through this. Later on, my lawyer had explained to me that they were just trying to map out the events. They were asking me the same things in different ways to make sure I wasn't making up a story or lying. Uh, I, I presume that's just what police do. They were so lovely to me. They were so kind and considerate. And 
after the accident had happened, they were actually so kind and was just like, this was an accident. You can't beat yourself up about this, but this is just the precaution. This is the thing that we have to do. This is the steps that we have to take. And it feels really scary, but you're going to be okay because I was crying a lot, as you could imagine. From there, things happened for my auntie. I'm not going to go into her story because that's hers to tell. Like It's her history. That's her life. But for me, what had happened was I went into a massive depressive hole after this had happened. I was scared that I was actually not going to survive. My auntie was not going to survive the whole incident. I didn't know much of what was happening, but when I knew that she was getting airlifted to the tertiary hospital in Melbourne, I was so scared that something could go wrong or how much permanent damage that she was going to have to her life. I remember that night, her husband having to take her and the children and how distraught the kids were, how distraught he was. And I just felt like utter garbage. I was just, I was like a zombie. I couldn't deal with what was happening around me and I kind of just cried and sat there in utter silence. I will say that my mum and dad were so kind and compassionate and caring to me towards the whole accident through the whole journey and I was really shocked by that because I wasn't used to that type of parenting from them and I am so grateful even now that they were able to hold that space for me because I think I wouldn't have been okay if I didn't have their support around me and Kyle's support. He was the reason I could get through this whole time um, through what had happened. Through this time, nothing much had happened. I fell pregnant with William in 2015. I gave birth to William in 2016. And it wasn't until I was very early pregnant with Kyla, I think that I was just before I found out that I was pregnant with her. So this might have been like 2018 in like the May, I got served with papers saying that the legal system of New South Wales, because I had the accident on the Murray, the river between Victoria and New South Wales, the water is actually governed by New South Wales, that because there had been an accident, the natural thing to do was to actually take me to court, which I was you know, needing to do and quite open and willing to to go to. I had to get a lawyer to help me with the case and I went to and I was charged with negligent driving. It was actually a really scary thing to happen because on the record, the amount of jet ski accidents that had happened on the water collectively was I think about 13. And the cases range from no penalties being done to someone actually going to jail for the injuries that they had caused to someone. So as you can imagine, naturally, I was really scared, pregnant, worried. I was jumping to worst case scenarios. My mental health at this stage was absolutely shocking. I was suffering horrendously prior to having William with post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. I then had William and had undiagnosed postnatal anxiety, as well as post-traumatic stress disorder still playing out in the background. By the time I got to, um, I got treatment for the post-traumatic stress disorder when William was um, a toddler. Um, But when I got to my pregnancy with Kyla, it just had just worn on me. I had become a bit of a shell of a person and I wasn't sure what was going to happen to me. And I was really scared. 
What ended up happening though is I had a really big fine. I think it was like five or six thousand dollars. I then had to pay the lawyer, which was a couple of thousand dollars, and then I got um yeah, I got charged with negligent negligent driving on the jet ski and lost my jet ski and boating license for two years, which I still haven't regained. I don't think I'll ever actually get my jet ski or boat license again. When the case was happening, there was a few things happening through that time and after the ruling had happened and everything had finished, my lawyer said to me, I am pretty sure from what has just happened and what has just played out, I wouldn't be surprised if your auntie tries to sue you for damages. Now, on the water, there is no TAC like there is on the road. There's no like accidents that can help you like an insurance fund or anything like that. The only way that you can get claims out of accidents on the water because the registration on these vehicles doesn't cover it, you either have to have insurance on the boat or the jet ski that you're driving or you have to pay that money out of your own pocket. Now, the jet skis didn't have any insurance on them because they're so easily stolen. It is very expensive to have jet skis and have insurance. So, If you're listening and you have a jet ski, I would just say accidents happen, get insurance, get insurance because you can lose it all. Anyway, so after all that, I was just worried. I was like, okay, like how is this going to play out? Now, I think it took about six months before again, I got a knock at the door again and I was served papers that my auntie was suing me. The amount that she was trying to claim was in the very, very, very high six-figure mark, like close to seven figures, and it scared me. We got a lot of advice from a lot of different people at that point about what the options were, what we could do, where we stood. I was obviously in a really hard position where I knew she deserved a payout, but I was also absolutely devastated that it would mean that we would lose everything that we'd ever built together in order for her to get that reward that she was, not reward, but the, the payout that she deserved. She, she truly did. The thing that was actually hurting me the most was not me losing everything. It was actually Kyle. It was what I was doing to him financially that was hurting me and causing me the most pain. Now, Kyle being the incredible man and husband that he is, he didn't care. He's like, we will get through this. Yes, it sucks and it's hard, but we will get through it. And I'd rather have you in my life and be my wife than have to deal with no financial problems. Like, I can't tell you how much of a beautiful soul he is and I thank God every single day or the universe, whoever it is that I believe in, that he's my husband and I have this person in my life who loves me without conditions, who would go through all of this hardship just so that he could be my husband. So what ended up happening was we had to sell our home. We had our own home and we ended up having to sell that house in order for me to be able to pay out the money that she was looking for. We were really fortunate in a sense that we, this was our second home. We sold our first family home and we had bought another home, which in the market that, you know, the markets have been going up for a very long time. But in 2017, we made a significant amount of money on the home in a very short amount of time, which was able to help us to be able to pay the money that was negotiated by her and our lawyers um, to be able to 
move forward and put all of this to bed. So in order to be able to do this, we had to obviously sell our home. And when I tell you that this was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, I'm not lying. To be able to call the real estate agent and say, hey, the house that you just sold us, like not even a year ago, we need to be able to put back on the market and try and get as much money as we possibly can for it. Kyle and I were doing a lot of things to the house to try and better it and we knew that we couldn't sell the house as it was and so we had to rush and finish all the things that we were wanting to do in the house so we could be able to sell it. Seeing the house that you had envisioned seeing, the like having to see it all finished and then know that you weren't able to be able to do anything about it was such a hard thing to do. We were so grateful that Kyle's best friend uh, drove from a, like I think he lives like maybe six hours away. He came down for the weekend and helped Kyle paint the entire house and that just meant everything to us that we would have that support from our friends around us. The hardest thing for me, I think one of the, well, there's, there's many hard points in this journey, but I came home from work one day and I seen the for sale sign put up on the house and that just made it all so real. I wasn't expecting to see it be put up that day and I remember going into the house and I was just so on edge that I yelled at Kyle. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this was going up? Why did you not prepare me for this? Why did you you know, why couldn't you tell me? And I'm just so grateful that he could just hold me in that space and just see that it was a trauma response being so angry and that it wasn't actually his fault. The next moment was when it was sold. That was really hard. Um, Trying to like see for both of us to see that sold sign being put on the house and seeing the ending of a dream that we had worked so hard towards was really hard. What we then had to do then was take all the money that we had made and put it into a savings account, move our little family. I was, again, very early pregnant with Kyla. And then we had to move into a rental property, which just felt like the biggest degrading moment of my life. I say this because once you have hustled and hustled and hustled to save and save and save for a deposit to be able to buy a home and then have your family settled into that home, find out that you're pregnant with a baby that you've been trying so hard for, bring a baby home to that home, it it just tore me to pieces. And to think that I was now going to bring home a second baby to a home that wasn't ours and we had lost everything and had to go back to a rental. We didn't really tell anyone what was happening. I was too embarrassed to tell anyone that we had lost our house. We didn't like even want to tell social media. I remember at the time being on social media and having a presence and trying to discuss with like people why we were moving house. Both Kyle and I didn't want to tell the world what had happened because we both did feel very embarrassed about what was happening. So the cover story that we told everybody was that we were thinking about moving states and we wanted to sell our house while the markets were really high and we were just looking at keeping our options open. And we stuck to that story for a couple of years before we felt okay and confident and strong enough to be able to share this part of our story with the world. But anyway... Back to the story, Kyla was born, I think she was about oh, maybe nine weeks old when we ended up having the teleconference with the lawyers to have a um, mediation session about settlement of the case. 
And I remember it finally happening that we had to like negotiate away all of our savings, all of our life savings, everything that we had worked so hard towards. And I remember at the end of that call, I got down on all fours and I just cried and I was dry reaching. It was the most horrible experience I had ever gone through. It was also really hard because I was torn between knowing that my auntie deserved some sort of money for the issues that she had gone through to then losing everything in my life. My mum and dad weren't in my life at this point of time. We had a disagreement when I was pregnant with Kyla and even if they were in my life, they weren't ever going to pay the money that she was wanting. My mum and dad have six kids between them and if everyone starts suing them and they have to pay the money out for their children, it could just get very, very messy. So we were essentially on our own with this whole journey and it was just really, really hard for us. I know I've said that a lot, but I just want to really say to you how traumatic it was for us to lose it all, lose everything. Your biggest fear when you become parents is that you won't have a home for your child. And this is very much what it felt like, especially in the current climate that we're in. We're still renting that there's not many rental properties around. And when we had last year, we had to look for a new home. We were really, really worried that we weren't going to find somewhere for our children to live. And that really freaked us out then. And it freaked us out in 2019 when Kyla was born as well. When I tell this story, people often ask me if I still have a relationship with my auntie. And the answer is no. Um, the whole family was kind of torn apart when this accident happened and there was a lot of mixed feelings between people and family about the actions of suing me to be able to get some money for the injuries that she had sustained. She was able to make pretty much a full recovery and she thankfully lives a very normal life now, which I am so fucking grateful for. Like I can at least live with a peace of mind that she is not debilitated and that she can, she, she is to a degree, but she lives a very normal life. She can still live a very active life with her children and that this accident isn't really going to affect the longevity of her life. And that is one thing that I think that I'm just the most grateful for, that out of this whole shit thing, at least she has her health there now. That's not to say that she didn't go through a really fucking hard time and really intense treatment and you know, mental health. If I know what it feels like for me to have this accident and I was the one that caused it, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what she would feel like being the recipient of an accident that was just caused very stupidly. So I'm not angry towards her in that sense. It's just really hard. And like I said, it's more the fact that I could deal with this. It was just me and there was, my kids weren't involved with their future but it's my husband and my children who I feel really severely guilty for out of this whole this whole situation. My mum and dad don't really talk to her. I don't think they talk to I mean, I don't have a relationship with my parents now. But I was during that time when she was going through treatment, my mum and dad did keep contact with her. I unfortunately couldn't have because um, with my post-traumatic stress disorder, avoidance was something that I really embraced and any talking about the accident was not able to be done with me I couldn't 
go on a jet ski. I couldn't go to the beach. I couldn't go on a boat. I was like anything that would be anything to do with the accident, minutely attached to the accident was something that I avoided. Even going back up to the holiday house was something that I found extremely traumatic. I remember the day that we had our mediation session and I realized that we were going to like that we we'd lost everything and I was, you know, on the all fours crying, dry reaching. This was another moment for me when my guides came in and stepped in and helped me through that time. Again, didn't know that I was psychic at this point yet. But what I felt was this voice inside me that said, all the great people that you look up to have lost everything at one point. This is your rock bottom. And from here, you can only go up. I remember hearing this within me and I knew that it wasn't my own voice talking. And I remember looking up at Kyle, like my eyes were like filled of tears. There was there was water from tears all over my face and I grabbed his hands and I said to him, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We can get through this. And he was very upset as well. And he looked at me with these kind, compassionate eyes, but kind of like, you're full of shit, babe. How are we going to get through this? And said, okay, babe. And I'm like, no, you have to believe me. We are going to get through this and we are going to come out bigger and better than ever on the other side of this. I really did electively make that decision that this rock bottom moment was not going to be the end of me, that I was going to push off the ground and try my best to swim to the surface again, that I wasn't going to go any lower. So that is what happened to us. We lost our home. I think the finalization was that, yeah, 2019 when that all finalized. So that was like almost four years ago now. We're still renting. Um, but we had to make some decisions along the way about what we wanted to do. Firstly, that we've had two babies in two years. We decided to go private with their health care. It cost us over $10,000 to have those babies privately, um, but that was because of birth trauma. Again, another story. We can talk about that. Um, but through this whole journey, my spiritual side really started to kick off. That voice that I heard when I was on the floor that day, it got louder and louder and louder. And things started to just really start to flow on from there. It wasn't long after that, I'm talking a couple of weeks, that I had a really big life-changing moment and that I had the first big sign from my guides that something was changing, that something was coming, that there was beauty in all of this. Now, I will just say that at this time of my life, I was actually studying to become a life coach because I knew that... I wanted to do something with my life. I wanted to help people, but I didn't really know how, when, what, what I was going to do. But I was studying to be a life coach. I think I actually finished studying just before Kyla was born. Again, it's a very long time ago. It feels like another lifetime ago, but I just knew that there was something from this. I knew that this wasn't happening to tear me down. I knew all these things were happening at that moment when that voice came to me to let me know that bigger and better things were on their way. So on the next podcast, what I'm going to talk about with you is my experience of birthing Kyla and postnatal depression and the story of how I understood that I was a psychic. I hope that from this story, you can see that it doesn't matter how rock bottom you are. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. You can always make a choice to be better, to do better, to live better, to, to, to be your best self in that 
Adversity can sometimes be the thing that strengthens you. It has been a really hard journey from this accident. It has been one of the biggest moments and biggest things that have ever happened to me. But I really have tried to make this be for the better, to not let it go to waste. And I really do believe in what I teach, in how I help you guys in readings, in Reiki, in courses that I've done to help you to rebuild just like I have. Like I said to you in the intro of this these series, if you go back to that one minute intro, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just an ordinary mum. I'm an ordinary woman who has gone through some really hard things. And if I can get through them, you can get through them too. I didn't have anyone there guiding me, coaching me, helping me through my way. I had to find it all out my own way through trial and error for trying different things. And what I'm here to do is help people to be able to do this, to be able to be the leader that I wish that I had through these dark moments of my life. But anyway, more on that on the next episode when I let you know about how my darling, gorgeous, beautiful, strong-minded, Taurus little baby girl, Kyla, came and changed my life, how she took the learnings of what happened with me with William and his teachings and deepened them and helped me to find one of the biggest gifts that she's that any child of mine has ever given to me. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and I would love for you to put out to put this on your Instagram stories, tag me, let me know how you found the episode. I love seeing you guys see like what you're doing when you're listening to this and just another little shout out to my podcast with my best friend Steph we have a podcast called I've got the kids today so if you're looking for a little bit more light-hearted not so deep conversation make sure you head over there anyway guys I'll see you in the next episode bye